Taiwan reported just two local COVID cases on Wednesday. Both are tied to a previously identified cluster. Also on Wednesday, the CCC declared that it had resolved a major cluster infection at Taoyuan's ASCII Computer Corporation. In related news, the health chief signaled that a broader COVID reopening is coming up soon. Speaking in a podcast interview, the minister said Taiwanese may be able to take overseas vacations in the second half of the year. He said that once trips abroad are on the table, he himself would like to visit the countries that donated vaccines to help Taiwan through the pandemic. COVID is subsiding in Taiwan, with only two local infections reported on Wednesday. Both are related to a previously identified cluster in northern Taiwan. Earlier this year, ASCII Computer Corporation reported a cluster that ultimately had 175 confirmed cases. The CECC set up a task force at the company on January 22nd. Now, 32 days later, CECC official Victor Wang has declared the cluster closed and said that production can now resume. Soon, Taiwan will start to lift COVID restrictions. With regard to contact tracing, I think that we should have effective and reasonable contact tracing measures and not mass testing. At this site, we implemented a policy of three days isolation for low and medium risk contacts who took a PCR test on the third day. If they did not test positive, they went home and followed up with rapid test kits. With case numbers going down, the health minister said that travel abroad might be on the table in the second half of the year. But he said it will depend on how things go after Taiwan reopens to foreign business travelers. Let's take it one step at a time. We're planning to cut quarantine from 14 days to 10. We have to finalize the relevant quarantine measures. So far in the pandemic, many countries have donated vaccines to us. These countries are all places I would very much like to visit. I should take a trip to show my gratitude. The minister said that if the gates open for international tourism, he'd like to visit the six nations that donated vaccines. They are Japan, the US, Lithuania, Poland, the Czech Republic and Slovakia. The food and beverage industry is bouncing back from COVID, according to government data. In January, industry revenue rose for the fourth month in a row to 76.2 billion NT. That's an increase of 8.6 percent from the year before. It's also the second highest January figure of all time. The government says that in February, industry revenue might fall slightly month on month because there are only 28 days. But year-on-year growth should still stay positive due to increased booster coverage and the launch of new hospitality brands and sales channels. Yilan County Commissioner Lin Zimiao was released on bail Wednesday morning after being questioned on a second time in corruption probe. Overnight on Tuesday, the commissioner was escorted to the district prosecutor's office for questioning. Afterward, prosecutors filed a motion to detain her incommunicado, citing reasonable suspicion of embezzlement. But the Yilan District Court denied the request, setting bail at 800,000 NT. At 1.30 in the morning, Yilan County Commissioner Lin Simiao arrived again at the district prosecutor's office, where she was questioned a second time over a government corruption case. This time, she didn't leave the office right afterward. Prosecutors found cause to suspect embezzlement, and they filed a request to hold her incommunicado. Her daughter Lin Yiling and her second oldest son Lin Youzhe were also escorted to the prosecutor's office for questioning. 
as ordered by the Elon District Prosecutor's Office, the Ministry of Justice's Agency Against Corruption had launched a second round of searches over a land tax corruption case. Twenty people were summoned as witnesses or defendants in the case. Elan County Commissioner Lin Zimiao is suspected of profiteering, property crime and evidence tampering. Prosecutors filed a motion to detain her incommunicado, but the court granted bail at 800,000 NT. Prosecutors also filed to detain her daughter Lin Yiling and Elan's Bureau of Agriculture Director Kang Li He on suspicion of profiteering, but they were released without bail after their court hearing. The commissioner's son, Ling Youzhe, former KMT lawmaker Yang Jixiong, and the lawmaker's brother, Yang Yaohuo, are suspected of evidence tampering and were granted bail of 2 million, 1.5 million, and 1.5 million NT, respectively. Finance and Taxation Bureau Director Lu Tianlong and Elan Urban Planning official Long Fei Chi also got bail of 150,000 NT. We summoned more than 20 defendants and witnesses, including County Commissioner Lin Zimiao. Six relevant premises were searched in accordance with the law. Defendant Lin Zimiao is suspected of possessing assets of unknown origin and there is reasonable suspicion, sufficient facts to confirm that there is a risk of collusion and the destruction of evidence, that there is a need for detention. We petitioned to the court for incommunicado detention. Prosecutors suspect the commissioner of corruption in a value-added tax exemption case in Luodong, an urban development project and a tender for an event at the Luodong Township office. She is also under investigation for holding assets of unknown origin. Her son, Ling Youzhe, is suspected of colluding with the young brothers to conceal evidence after a police raid in January. After making bail, the commissioner's son left the prosecutor's office without speaking to press. The commissioner left the office to board a prisoner transport vehicle, which took her to her court hearing. After two and a half hours of deliberations, she was granted bail of 800,000 NT. This year, on February 28th, former President Ma Ying-jeou will once again attend Taipei City Government's 228 Memorial event. Last year, his attendance triggered a backlash from the Taiwan Nation Alliance, which boycotted the event in protest. This year, his invite was pre-approved by the alliance, but it's still not without controversy. Critics stressed that he and his party have yet to sincerely apologize for the 228 incident of 1947. This sweater vest was made for me two years ago by a relative of a victim of the 228 incident. It symbolizes my friendship with the families of the victims. Last year, the Taipei city government invited former President Ma Ying-jeou to attend and give a speech at the city's 228 memorial service. His attendance sparked a backlash, and one of the event's co-organizers, Taiwan Nation Alliance, pulled out of the event. This year, Ma is again expected to attend the memorial event. This time, it's with the approval of the Taiwan Nation Alliance. On Tuesday, Taipei Mayor Ko Wenzhe and several aides held a meeting at the Taiwan Nation Alliance's headquarters to discuss the memorial service. The alliance said it was on board with Ma's presence at the event so long as he wouldn't give a speech. During the course of event planning for the 228 memorial, Taipei City discussed all the details with the co-organizers. Former President Ma is scheduled to attend this year's event, but he will not be giving an address. Mayor Ke Wenzhe went to visit the Taiwan Nation Alliance, but it was just a visit. 
Any Taiwan citizen can attend the 228 memorial event. We welcome that. But we must also keep in mind the feelings of the families of victims of the 228 incident. We think that speeches given by certain people may not be appropriate. Even so, some activists and victims' families say they still oppose Ma's attendance. Some say he's using the 228 incident for political gain and that he's never sincerely apologized for the massacre. Others say they don't understand why Taipei would insist on inviting him to the memorial. On Facebook, the chair of World United Formosans for Independence, Richard Chen, wrote that he refused to attend the meeting with Ke because he was allergic to opportunists. When Ke Wenzhe arrived at the Taiwan Nation Alliance, I left the meeting. President Ma is simply trying to profit off the 228 incident. Why would the bereaved of the 228 incident accept this? Of course they wouldn't want to attend Taipei's memorial service. Ma Ying-jeou has not offered a genuine and sincere apology. Every time he attends the event, he comes out with a deluge of unacceptable statements. In the planning of this event, Taipei should have considered more deeply the significance of holding such an activity. They shouldn't take this event and turn it into a show of political partnership between Ke Wenzhe and Ma Ying-jeou. Last year during Ma's speech, Taipei councillor Miao Boya held up a placard with a message of protest. The council says Taipei is ignoring the feelings of the victims of the event, adding that Ma and the KMT have yet to express true regret over the massacre. She says that their presence at the 228 memorial events only serves to further divide society. The Taiwan People's Party will gain power in local elections this year, claims former President Chen Shui-bian. He recently sat down for a tete-a-tete with FTV Vice President Hu Wanling in a broad-ranging discussion of everything from his daily life to international affairs. The year-end local elections, also known as the 9-in-1 elections, were a hot topic. Chen revealed how his own experience running for Taipei mayor has colored his predictions for 2022. In the exclusive chat with FTV Vice President Hu Wanling, former President Chen Shui-bian revealed his candid take on Taiwan's political climate. In the elections at the end of this year, do you think the Taiwan People's Party's power will expand or contract? Expand, of course. Mayor Ke has now basically said very clearly that he will run for president in 2024, hasn't he? Why is he so bent on campaigning for the mayors, county commissioners, and councillors this year? He wants to reveal his intention to run for president. To run for president, he needs to be a mother hen with lots of little chicks. Beside the TPP, Chen also opined on CECC chief Chen Shizhong's suitability to run for Taipei mayor. Do you think Minister Chen Shizhong is the best candidate to represent the green camp in Taipei? Who should run is a big question. Currently, he runs the CECC, which is a privileged position. But as soon as you take off that halo and you lose that protected position and you become a candidate, then you're just like anybody else. People will dig up and probe into lots of your problems, including lots of controversial issues from during the pandemic. President Chen also addressed the outlook for green and blue later this year. Any big changes on the map will be in the north, he says. The DPP have seven cities and counties to retain. Jiayi, Tainan, Kaohsiung and Pingdong shouldn't be so very difficult, right? But the problems are up in the north. Taoyuan, Jilong and Shinju are all a bit more difficult. So the local campaigners are a very important factor. The human factor can be greater than the party's power. Chen also discussed the impact of tactical voting, which he says had a major impact on his own political career. 
When I ran for a second term as Taipei mayor, supporters of Wang Jianxuan voted tactically for Ma Ying-jeou, so I lost. 大家都会这样盘算来盘算去啊，气来宝来气去的。这这种情况之下。Everyone is making calculations like that, being tactical in such circumstances. Don't you think the TPP and KMT will become allies? 不会和 No, I don't. But it's not the parties that vote tactically; it's the voters who decide to vote tactically. They see who looks the strongest and go for them. Now, on medical parole, President Chen is still keeping a close eye on Taiwan's political developments. But will his predictions for 2022 hold true? There is only one way to find out. As the cold weather continues, eggs remain in short supply. The Council of Agriculture has reallocated 20,000 cartons of eggs from food processing companies to the consumer market. It has also secured emergency permits for egg imports. Eggs from Australia, the U.S., and Japan will not enter the consumer market initially, but will first go to the food processing industry. Let's hear from the agriculture minister. Eggs imported under the emergency permit are coming from Australia and the U.S. as well as Japan. From Japan, we'll get egg shipments every week until the end of March. The ministry says the subsidies for egg farmers will continue until mid-March. It expects egg production to stabilize starting late March as the weather warms up in central and southern Taiwan. The third season of a film series about Taiwanese literature is about to hit theaters. Season three of *The Inspired Island*, a series of eminent writers from Taiwan, features the Zhu family, of whom Zhu Tianwen is just one of three renowned writers. The unique project has celebrated the lives of more than a dozen of Taiwan's most beloved authors. Childhood memories play on a big screen. This documentary about the Zhu family is told from the perspective of longtime family friend Lin Junying. It reveals the laid-back, homey side of life that's behind the literary accolades. The documentary series *The Inspired Island* began 11 years ago. Now, on its third series, it tells the life stories of Taiwan's eminent literary figures. We were all in our separate spot before, but now there is the stroke of luck, an opportunity to actually bump together. What results will come out of our bumping together? You'll have to wait and see. The series' five episodes feature seven writers, including Qi Denshen, the Zhu family. Wu Sheng and Yang Zhe each has a distinctive tale to tell. Supporting the Gentile project is Pegatron Chairman Tong Zixian. If Taiwan didn't have basketball or baseball, if Taiwan didn't have social movements and poetry recitals and cinema, if all we had left was computers and semiconductors, that would be quite sad, wouldn't it? But it's the opposite. We should say how happy we are to have so many literary creators giving Taiwan such a rich literary scene. This is a very precious asset for Taiwan. I believe it's a very important link in the whole of Chinese-speaking civilization that we should be proud of, and it's worth cherishing. The third series is soon to open in theaters. Tong promised a fourth season is in the works, and maybe a fifth. If Taiwan's writers are willing, the show will go on. Creating jewelry uses a lot of chemicals that can be harmful to the environment, especially so when the materials used have to be mined. 
A jewelry designer in Taiwan is making the art sustainable by using metals recycled from discarded electronics. Everything from the jewels to the packaging is meticulously thought out to reduce the impact on the environment. Our FTV reporter Stephanie Yang speaks to jeweler Angelique Lian. She shows us some metalworking techniques to make a ring. She first uses a piercing saw to neaten up the edges of the metal. Then she places the ring on a flat surface and uses the hammer to make delicate patterns. This is Angelique Lian. After graduating from the California Institute of the Arts, she decided to open her own store in 2015. Her jewelry is made out of 100% recyclable materials, such as mobile phones and LED lights. The silver content in about 20 to 30 mobile phones can be made into a silver necklace. For example, mobile phones, old computers or LED lights that everyone usually uses actually contain a lot of precious metals such as gold, silver and copper. The recycling rate of these materials is not very high. I hope to bring attention to this issue and show that this e-waste and that the metals from discarded electronics can be reused again and worn. Our production process is low carbon and low cost production. We insist on manual production and environmentally friendly production. That way we can avoid creating pollution during the production and consumption process. Leanne hopes to spread awareness about sustainability in jewelry design. She uses non-electroplating sustainable methods to create each piece, all of which are handmade in Taiwan. Even the packaging insists on using only natural materials such as wooden boxes, handmade cotton paper, and hemp rope. In addition, no chemicals are used throughout the production process. To obtain the sustainable materials we use, we cooperate with a tech company and recycle electronic waste and turn it into beautiful works. We use no toxic substances because we only use natural oxidation methods to make our works. We don't use electroplating or chemicals to process the metal. You might not know that, but a lot of toxic substances are actually used in jewelry design. Lian says each piece of jewelry was inspired by Zen Buddhism and contemporary feminism. Each piece of jewelry has its own story. For example, this moustache series emphasizes the characteristics of the modern women. They are both rigid and soft. That is, you can have a very strong personality and also have a very gentle personality. They coexist. Lian also holds DIY courses in her store to encourage more people to make their own zero-waste designs. FTV reporter Stephanie Yang and Zhong Shuhui in Taipei. Taiwan's farmers are struggling as wet winter weather batters the nation. As of Wednesday, the cold spell has caused 28 million NT in agricultural losses, according to government data. So far, the worst hit area has been Pingdong, which accounts for 76% of total damages. In the southern county, much of the damage has been on mangoes. In Miaoli, which is famous for its strawberries, the weather has wiped out nearly half the fruit crop. In Hualien, pear farmers say the cold snap has caused a severe case of bud rot that will greatly reduce yields. Over in Kaohsiung, the cold has killed off the migratory mullet, which is a key source of revenue for fishermen.